0: If you dare.
3: to the Green Zone presented by BetMGM here on a Father's Day Sunday. Brady Cannon live at the Mandalay Bay Racing Sportsbook. My partner Wes Reynolds is in downtown Las Vegas at the VEASAN Studios at the Circa Resort and Casino. Happy June 20th. Summer solstice, the longest day of the year and what a great day to have the longest day of the year. We've got U.S. Open Golf all day long. Of course, fathers out there, enjoy yourself on this first day of summer. Wes, uh, we've got the final round upon us. The leaders will tee off in less than an hour from now. They are at five under par. That is Mackenzie Hughes and Louis Oosthuizen in the final pairing. Russell Henley in the penultimate pairing with Rory McIlroy, who is two shots back. Louis Oosthuizen really of the three leaders between Henley and Hughes. The only one that's really been in this position before, and he's been here many times. Of course, he has the Bridesmaid Grand Slam, finishing second in every single major. Of course, he also has the 2010 Open Championship. Russell Henley, a little bit more experience with three PGA Tour wins. He is trading at about 7-1 to one in the overnight market. Louis, the favorite, at about plus 350. And then Mackenzie Hughes, really absolutely new to all of this, does have one PGA Tour victory. But his overnight price was in the neighborhood of 9-1. to one. Now, we've seen a couple of guys go out and go low early here. Patrick Reed currently has the low score for the day and really the lowest score we've seen throughout the a championship, a 67 at four under par. Hideki Matsuyama also three under on his round, but for the most part, not a whole lot of movement, Wes. It looks like we have got a very difficult test of golf on our hands
4: for the championship Sunday at Torrey Pines. Yeah, we certainly do, Brady, and we do have a pretty compact leaderboard. Louis Ustazen, as you mentioned, seven to two, the current market favorite, and really justifiably so. I know there were some questions as like, why is Louis Ustazen the favorite here? Well, one, he's one of the the co-leaders, two, He did just, uh, was just in the final pairing at the PGA Championship, which was the last major. He does have a major championship on his trophy case, that Open Championship years ago at St. Andrews. And like you mentioned, he's also got the bridesmaid finish. He's finished second in all four majors. He has been in this position before, and you have Russell Henley, even though he's a little bit more of a proven player, and Mackenzie Hughes, who really have not. Now that doesn't mean that they're gonna fade away. We often, you know, we can see, you know, winners that we don't expect. We've certainly seen it in the open championship, the Ben Curtis's and the Todd Hamilton's and the the Steve Joneses and the Michael Campbells in the US Open. So it's not unprecedented if one of these two guys that are kind of maybe the greenhorns in terms of being on the lead in a major, like Henley or Hughes, get it done. But Louis Ustey's an absolutely justifiably the favorite. But you gotta look a little bit down the board where you get to the bigger names. And obviously Bryson DeChambeau, Rory Mackle. Roy, proven major champions, Bryson right now at 11-2, to two. Rory the same price, John Rahm three back at 10-1, to one. not proven in terms of winning a major, but proven in the fact that he is one of the top players in the world, Dustin Johnson 25-1, to one. Matthew Wolf 25-1, to one. Scotty Scheffler 20-1, to one. so you've got a host of top five, top 10, top 20 official world golf ranking players that are right behind to seize this opportunity if the leaders stumble early. Yeah, you look at two out of the three
3: leaders in Russell Henley and Mackenzie Hughes and to the casual golf fan waking up on Father's Day to tune in to the national championship. It doesn't look all that thrilling, but look at the stars that are surrounding these two young men in Louis Tazen, Rory McIlroy, DeChambeau, Scotty Scheffler, Xander Shoffley, Dustin Johnson also lurking at one under par along with John Rahm. Now, we know our friend Justin Ray on Twitter put, uh, pointed out on Saturday night that Fifty-eight out of the last sixty U.S. Open winners have come from four shots or better off of the pace, so that will take you down to one under par heading into the final round on Sunday, and that takes you down to Colin Morikawa and Dustin mm-hmm. Johnson, and then just inside of that you have John Rahm, Matthew Wolf, and and all the aforementioned stars trying to chase down Louis Oosthuizen, Mackenzie Hughes, and Russell Henley. Now you and I both have Xander Schauffele and John Rahm in pocket pre-tournament. I know you added Matthew Wolfe at 10-1 to 1 before Saturday's round. I dipped in and added Russell Henley and Louis Eustazen last night just for a little bit of an insurance policy. Uh, and I went to the top of the board, obviously, with those guys and don't make a ton of money if they do come through. But I think those two guys have a very good chance, obviously, with the lead heading into the final round.
4: Yeah, I, I don't think that you should expect that these guys are just going to nosedive necessarily.
3: Welcome back into the Green Zone presented by BetMGM. Brady Cannon and Wes Reynolds with you. I am here live at the Mandalay Bay Race and Sports on the Las Vegas Strip. west down in fabulous downtown Las Vegas inside the VEASAN studio inside the beautiful Circa Resort and Casino discussing the big day here on the Lynx at Torrey Pines, the final round of the 121st United States Open. And Wes, I was talking about a, guy, a couple of guys that I have added in the outright market. I know you added Matthew Wolf on Saturday. Did you do anything additional as far as the outright market or maybe some head to head matchups for the final round today?
4: I did not really do anything in terms of the outright market. I did look a little bit at some head to head uh, final round matchups and doing okay, at least on the full tournament matchups so far. But one thing I am noticing Louis Ustazen's obviously been here before, but the price on Mackenzie Hughes is starting to get a little bit big. I'm seeing as high as 185 in terms of some faraway places. So I thought that that move was interesting. There is a big move now on Bryson. I did bet that in the overnight against Scotty Scheffler, who's been leading the field for strokes gained putting, maybe almost as an insurance policy on that future. But that number is now getting a little bit out of whack. You're seeing about 150, 160 on the Bryson side. In the overnights, it was just under 130. So Those were ones that that I did play. Also played some down the board with uh, Siwoo Kim over J.T. Poston, who really had a good putting round yesterday. And also uh, uh, Kevin Streelman over Paul Casey was one that I I played a little bit. And Kevin Streelman took a little bit of money. I believe he was plus 140. He closes plus 120, plus 125 here at BetMGM in that matchup against Paul Casey.
3: Yeah, I did uh, Patrick Reed over Tommy Fleetwood, and that one looks to be a winner at this point. I also did see Woo Kim over J.T. Poston, and so far, so good on that one. Also want to talk about Rory McIlroy and Bryson DeChambeau, Wes. It seems to me— and Uh, A couple of the reasons here that I did not add those guys when I went back to the outright market and I looked at what Rory and Bryson did on Saturday. Rory, and he admittedly said so in a post-round interview, played about the best round of golf on Saturday that he's played in a long time, better than at the Wells Fargo when he won there at Quail Hollow. Uh, Bryson DeChambeau also played a very error-free round on Saturday, did not have a single bogey. So I thought maybe those guys played their peak round on Saturday. And there could be some regression here today. I also heard another very interesting point. Uh, Dennis Paulson on the coverage for Sirius XM PGA Tour Radio this morning on the way in was talking to the chairman of the USGA, Mike Davis, and about the course setup for today. I believe it's 16 out of the 18 pins are only six paces off of the edge of the green. And we know how that rough, how thick it is Mm -hmm. off of the edge of these greens. So it's not going to be a day where guys are really going to want to fire at pins. If they do, they could end up in some trouble just off the green. But all of those pins on Saturday were more towards the back of the green. And Bryson DeChambeau, we know his inaccuracy off the tee. He found himself in a lot of rough. But he was able to punch it out of the rough and run it up onto the green to these pins located towards the back. Now, with all these pins on the edges and more towards the front, that might create some problems for DeChambeau if he is once again errant off the tee
4: certainly should. And you look at Rory and I'll take him first. Yesterday gained 2.38 strokes around the green. And what around the green basically means is shots around the green. Little chips and pitches if you don't hit a green in regulation. So kind of is another way, I guess, a little bit of scrambling influence into that. And Rory of course had that big chip in on the back nine for birdie. So that's going to inflate his stats. He was two and a half in terms of gained on approach. So you wonder if that is going to stay true here for Bryson gain more on approach. Usually we see Bryson right at the top gaining off the tee. Only gained a little bit less than half a stroke on his third round yesterday, but gained 2.63 on approach. Gained about two strokes in terms of putting. So you know, is that going to regress a little bit? So that's why I didn't think that necessarily the value was there on those guys, Uh, even though those are the ones that the betters are going to gravitate to because they're the ones that kind of right behind these leaders if they stumble. Of course, they're the closest being at three under par, but I did not go ahead and go with those guys either. Uh, With Russell Henley, too, is one of the leaders that we saw yesterday and currently at five under par, lost a little bit over a stroke off the tee, but somehow kept it together with an even par round, even though it doesn't put him in the final pairing. He's in that second to last pairing with Rory. So, Russell Henley, I gotta give him credit, did keep it together. With Mackenzie Hughes, one thing you know about him is he's always a good putter no matter where he is. That's the strongest part of his game. He's not necessarily what I would call an elite ball striker. He's not necessarily a long driver off the tee, but the putting really keeps him going. Now, he was very good on approach yesterday, so you want if that's going to fall off a little bit. Louis Houston gained about two strokes putting, and that's going to help when you make the eagle on 18. And I made that comment near the end of the round that, hey, he just hung around all day. He never really, when he made a mistake, he would recover. He never really made a double or a triple. You know, you're going to give shots back here. I don't I don't care who you are. You're going to make some bogeys on this course. So, you know, that, that's what I'm looking at, I think, for Ustazen, but clearly he is the most experienced player really at the top of this leaderboard in terms of the leaders.
3: Wes, I know you and I are both rooting for John Rahm because we have tickets in pocket on the Spaniard, and it's really quite a story for John Rahm. Of course, he comes off of the positive COVID test a couple of weeks ago, forced to withdraw from the Memorial, and now he comes back to a golf course, home of his very first PGA Tour victory in 2017, by the way, which he came back from three strokes to win, which he also did last summer at the BMW, trailing by three strokes in the final round on that one, came back to win at Olympia Fields, but also proposed to his wife here at Torrey Pines. His family is here with him at the golf course who he hasn't seen in over a year because of COVID. He obviously has a new child, so Father's Day is extra special for him today. There's a lot of storylines for John Rom going into this final round today, and it would really be terrific to see him crowned champion, and I think he has a great shot because obviously he's only three shots back, but if you look at what he's done so far, he has not put together that flaw Flawless round yet. He hasn't been awful. He's been okay, but he hasn't been flawless. And if he can put together a flawless, maybe three under par round today or something, he might be your champ.
4: Yeah, absolutely. And he had really been avoiding the big mistakes all week until yesterday on the 14th when he took that double bogey, was able to get one of those shots back with the birdie at 18, so he's in at two under par. Also now at two under par is Xander Shoffley, who does make an early birdie here on the first hole, so much better start today for the X-Man than yesterday, and he has now been cut to 14-1 to after that early birdie.
3: Yeah, and you and I like that as we have Xander in pocket as well. So nothing wrong with a birdie start for Xander. By the way, a few other players that have started out under par. Justin Thomas, one under par on his round through four holes, one under par for the championship. Same with Brooks Kepka, one under through three holes. Ian Poulter is one under through his first two holes. He is also one under par for the championship. Wes, let's take a look at the basketball game. Game one of the Phoenix Suns and the Los Angeles Clippers, the Western Cup conference finals coming up in just about 15 minutes from now this will be in phoenix and uh the 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 glaze is off of, the, the shine is off of the, uh, the luster a little bit here with no Chris Paul and no Kawhi Leonard. Of course, Kawhi Leonard nursing the injury and Chris Paul still in COVID protocol. I found it pretty interesting that the Suns were such a big favorite in this series, anywhere from minus 200 to minus 225. The take back on the Clippers about plus 175 or plus 185. But I guess that's reflective of, of the odds makers speculating that Kawhi may be injured more so than we know and may not be around for this series at all, but let's talk about both the series and this game coming up pretty quickly here, West The Suns favored by four points here at BetMGM. The total's been dancing dancing around a little bit, was at 220 earlier this morning, and that was down lower than the opener, and now down to 219. So Suns favored, uh, favored by four, 219 your total. What say you, Mr. Reynolds?
4: Yeah, this is a tough call for me, Brady. I actually do not have a bet on this game one because I want to see how it's going to be played not only with obviously the two injured star players if you look at the offense obviously Paul George in the last two games playoff P has arrived and he has stepped up last two games 32 and a half points 12 and a half rebounds six assists in 43 minutes without Kawhi on the floor in game 5 and game 6 so we'll see if he keeps that going but on the Clippers side I'm a little bit more curious to see what Ty Lue is going to do here if he is going to go they they went to that small ball lineup because they really kind of had to because zubach kind of a little bit lost in space in terms of that pick and roll and really wasn't a good matchup really for dallas or utah but is he going to get more minutes here are they going to try to match him up against deandre ayton because uh deandre ayton i think is more of a threat at least down low to score offensively than certainly rudy gobert was or uh, or certainly that uh Boban was for the Dallas Mavericks. So you may see Zubach get a little bit more minutes. It may play a little bit of a factor in terms of limiting the explosiveness of the Clippers offense, really, in terms of limiting that spacing. So we shall see if Zubach is going to get action. I would think that, hey, you need a big down there, low on DeAndre Ayton, even though he's not starting today. Starting lineups, by the way, Reggie Jackson, Terrence Mann, Paul George, Nick Batum, and Marcus Morris for the Clippers, for the Phoenix Suns. Cameron Payne going to be in for CP3 today, Devin Booker, Michael Bridges, Jake Router, DeAndre Ayton, so that's the usual lineup with the exception of Chris Paul, obviously not going to be able to go here for game one, so I want to watch this and see how this is going to play out a little bit, because at least the Clippers kind of did prove, hey, they could win without Kawhi, granted it was two games, so it's not a long sample size, but they've at least proven that they have the depth to at least somewhat make up for that loss. Phoenix has not really necessarily proven that or had a chance to prove that as of yet because Chris Paul is really the straw that stirs the drink. He's the guy that facilitates the offense, doesn't really turn over the ball, can kind of slow the pace down a little bit. He's obviously elevated Devin Booker's game. He's elevated Aiton's game, so he's always the primary ball handler if you look when he's been on the floor in the postseason. Suns are plus 11.4 per 100 possessions and once better over the last six games because Chris Paul did heal up from that shoulder injury, got that rest after the Lakers series, and clearly, I think, was more of a factor offensively in the second round against Denver than he was necessarily against the Lakers, so that's a little bit of a concern here. Can Cameron Payne really step up in his absence? Phoenix has been off for a little while, so that old rest versus rust thing, and also what we saw from the Clippers on Friday night are you going to get that kind of shooting? Because I thought that they really took advantage, really, in the second half when Rudy Gobert, who's one of the best post defenders in the NBA, they got him in space, and he was absolutely lost in space. And... Quinn Snyder didn't take him out of the game because he was getting eaten up and Clippers were just hitting outside shots with reckless abandon. So, Quinn Snyder didn't put him on the bench and the Clippers absolutely made Utah pay and win that series in six games. So... I didn't really know where to go with this one, Brady. I, I mean, I, I would lean a little bit to the Clippers, but it's just a lean. It's not something I'm backing with my money here. I just got to think that they've at least had a chance to adapt to life without Kawhi. Phoenix obviously has not here with Chris Paul, and who knows how many games he's going to miss. He's certainly missing this afternoon.
3: There's a lot of different angles to consider, aren't there? And you talk about, you know, we've seen life without Chris Paul before in the Lakers series. It was a very different Phoenix Suns team. Now they've had a few games to get through that and see what that's like. Does Devin Booker go off? You mentioned the matchup there. DeAndre Ayton, James Salinas earlier on the pregame show thought over the point total for DeAndre Ayton might be a good play. And then there's the rest versus rust. You know, Phoenix has been very well rested, and the Clippers – they, they go so high on the shooting percentage in that closeout game of the Utah Jazz. Are, are they a little bit tired or fatigued because they went six games with Utah and they turn around so quickly? Uh, just a lot of things to juggle here, and I don't know. I, I'm, I'm kind of with you. The points look attractive, but I'm not going to get involved in this game. We have seen some movement towards the under. Any opinion there, Wes?
4: Yeah, I can certainly see why, because obviously Chris Paul is the guy that makes the offense go. The scoring, I think, can be replaced, but in terms of the quality of the looks, is that going to be replaced here? So I can understand why that total is going down, and then I think maybe some betters are looking at what the Clippers, as I mentioned a minute ago, kind of what they did on Friday night when you had Terrence Mann absolutely explode. Now Terrence Mann has been getting more minutes in this series because I think Ty Lue kind of finally figured out, hey, I don't need to play DeMarcus Cousins necessarily so much. I got this Terrence Mann guy, this young guy out of Florida State that I need to get some time to. And Terrence Mann absolutely stepped up, but it was really kind of his game. Are you expecting him to score 39 points and go 15-21 from the floor and 7-10 of from three-point range? Clippers hit 23s against the Utah Jazz. Utah Jazz hit 21, but they've kind of been doing that. They've been hitting high teens and low 20s in the threes here, but it just wasn't enough. Donovan Mitchell, even though he put up a big game, 39 points, obviously fell short. But you've got these other guys that are stepping up for the Clippers in terms of scoring. Paul George gave you 28. He's going to give you high 20s, probably low 30s more often than not. Reggie Jackson had a couple big games in this series and had another one in Game 7. But are you going to get 16 points out of Nick Batum again? Are you going to get 39 points out of Terrence Mann? Are you going to get 12 off the bench from Beverly? He was really the only scorer off the bench for the Clippers, so I can kind of understand why this is getting bet under here, but I'm not really going to get involved either with the total because I want to see how this is going to play. I want to see how many minutes Zubac is going to get. He's obviously not starting, but you would think his minutes are going to go up because you can't just let DeAndre Eaton and and eat down low, and that's to James Salinas's point on the pregame show that you made is the fact that he was looking at the over points because if the Clippers go small, they got to go ahead and feed the young fella down low, and then are they going to play Zubach to go ahead and counteract that and kind of risk getting beat in the pick and roll.
3: Justin Thomas rolls in his second straight birdie. He's to two under par for the championship and in sixth place John Rahm makes his way to the tee box a few hugs and kisses for the family. He will hit his first ball in about two minutes from now. Also the Washington Nationals up on the Mets 5-2 to two in the bottom of the seventh the Toronto Blue Jays leading Baltimore 4-1 to one in the bottom of the eighth. The New York Yankees leading the A's 2-1 to one in the top of the seventh and the Cleveland Indians out in front of the Pittsburgh Pirates 2-1 to one early in the ball game. Early in the green zone presented by BetMGM. We'll be right back.
1: if you dare.
3: and baseball games every week. It's time to get into BetMGM Sports Nevada, the premier sports betting app. BetMGM has all your favorite wagering options along with in-game betting, boosted odds, specials, and much more. Download the BetMGM app today and stop by any MGM casino on the Strip with your state-issued ID to open an account and start placing sports bets from anywhere in Nevada. Whatever your sport, whatever your betting style, you're going to love BetMGM state-of-the-art technology and fan-friendly specials every day of the week. Visit BetMGM for terms and conditions must be 21 years or older and physically located in Nevada. Please gamble responsibly. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. Welcome back into the Green Zone presented by BetMGM. Brady Cannon and Wes Reynolds with you. And Wes, a little bit of movement here on the leaderboard at the 121st United States Open at Torrey Pines Golf Course in beautiful La Jolla, California. Before the break there, I mentioned Justin Thomas with two straight birdies. He's moved to two under par for the championship. Currently three shots off the pace and in sixth place. Also Xander Shoffley. He has one birdie through his first two holes. He is at two under par for the championship. And Daniel Berger making his way up the leaderboard there. Three under par through his first nine holes. Berger to one under par for the championship. Brooks Kepka saves a nice par on the fourth hole. He's at one under par along with Ian Poulter. And John Rahm just teed off my friend and drove it right down the middle. So John Rahm off to a good start as he gets ready to hit his approach shot on his first hole of
4: the final day. Justin Thomas now 16-1 to off those back-to-back birdies, so we've seen a little drift downwards. Morikawa and Dustin Johnson are paired together, I believe, fifth to last group. They both par on number one, so they remain virtually the same. Colin Marikawa and Dustin Johnson, 33-1 to 1 here to go ahead and win this, but we'll see if, if maybe this is a U.S. Open where somebody goes ahead and posts a low number and then says, okay fellas, have at it, and uh, then the open pressure. I know I'm going to sound like uh, the former NBC broadcaster Johnny Miller here when he talked about U.S. Open pressure, and he had mentioned it about 100 times a broadcast, but it is going to get real here as we reach the back nine here in a few hours from now, where it it's gonna to get to these guys and you're gonna see some of these guys hit some Aaron shots and hit it in the rough, hit it in the bunker, uh, get it in the trees. So it's gonna be it's gonna get real interesting here. And I think if you're an early mover and can post a number, maybe like a Justin Thomas, he's certainly at least the early candidate to do so, albeit just through five holes, but he is two under now and tied for sixth.
3: Yeah, not too shabby. And the lowest round we've seen throughout the championship is 67. So if uh, Thomas was to go on to shoot a 67, that would put him at four under par for the championship. If he could possibly get to five under par, that could be a winning ticket. And at 16 to one, not too bad on JT, which I believe is probably right around the number where he was pre-tournament. Mm-hmm. He may have drifted all the way to 20 or so, uh, but not uh, a bad start at all for Justin Thomas, your former PGA championship winner in 2000. Let's check in on the baseball, the College World Series, day two down in Omaha, Wes, and a good ball game between Tennessee and Virginia. Tennessee was about a minus 160 favorite over the Cavaliers, but right now a pitcher's duel, and the Cavaliers of Virginia up one to nothing here, and they get out of the inning there. They're going to head to the top half of the fifth inning, I believe it is, down here in Omaha, with a one-nothing lead over the Volunteers.
4: Yeah, it is a little bit ironic, to call a school from the ACC a Cinderella in Omaha but they really kind of are Virginia has a losing record against teams in the top 50 they've had a tough road this postseason they lost the first game of the regional they lost the first game of the super regional and then they had to rally in each round to go ahead and advance here they had that two out grand slam in the seventh to go ahead of Dallas Baptist there in the super regional but you know you've kind of seen this with UVA if they get down they've shown the resilience to come back. It's Andrew Abbott on the mound today against Chad Dallas for Tennessee. Andrew Abbott is the staff ace for Virginia, and he really struggled in the regional and super regionals. He had 28 and a third scoreless innings at the end of the regular season, and then he gave up eight earned runs and two appearances in just 10 and a third's innings against South Carolina and Dallas Baptist. So now, so far, he's been so good, limiting Tennessee off the scoreboard here in the fifth inning. So, Tennessee... I think the price maybe got just a little bit high here, so I ended up laying off of it. Uh, I, I, Virginia, I think clearly to me is the big sleeper right now in this tournament, and everybody is sleeping on them because look, the RPI ranking is low. I mentioned they're ranking against top fifty teams, but so far so good. Taking it to the balls here, bottom of the fifth, one nothing. Who's? So
3: far, so good for John Rahm. I mentioned he striped his drive right down the middle there, and his approach shot, I don't know if it was a mistake, but a very aggressive line. He went right after the pin, tucked over on the far right-hand side of the green. Looks like he'll have about eight feet to start his round with a birdie. We'll come back, update some more of the baseball scores, check in on the U.S. Open all day long. Happy Father's Day, everybody. From all of us at the Green Zone on VEASAN, the Sports Betting Network. are here and our experts are covering every angle to find the betting edges. VEASAN hockey expert Andy McNeil's tracking all the NHL action and our senior NBA analyst Jonathan Von Tobel has all the hoops in sight. Our experts and the entire VEASAN team give you all the tools to make the most of every bet on the playoffs including odds and analysis for every game at VEASAN.com. Our daily members only best bet emails. Now's the time to cash in on the playoffs. Sign up for a 10 day free trial at VEASAN.com slash subscribe. Brady Cannon and Wes Reynolds with you inside the Green Zone presented by BetMGM and they're just about to tip it off in the other desert down in Phoenix Game 1 between the Los Angeles Clippers and the Phoenix Sun the Weston Conference Finals here. No Chris Paul for the Phoenix Sun. Still COVID protocol going on with Mr. Paul and no Kawhi Leonard for the Los Angeles Clippers. Still dealing with a knee injury. We'll see how long both of those gentlemen remain out in this series. But it looks looks like the closing price, Wes, is going to be minus four in favor of the Phoenix Suns here at BetMGM with a total of 219. And I know you said earlier that you you and I both don't have a great handle on how to treat this game one. I take it uh, over the break there you didn't get
4: involved. I did not because I want to see how the rotations are going to work here, how long if Ty Lue is going to stick with this small lineup. And look if DeAndre Ayton goes off early, you're going to have to put some size in there in terms of being able to guard him. The pick and roll obviously is still going to be run without Chris Paul on the floor, and I think Cameron Payne is capable, but you kind of got to sacrifice something probably for the other, and if DeAndre Ayton is just feasting down low on the glass and also getting a lot of putbacks and a lot of dunks, because they don't always run stuff necessarily for DeAndre Ayton. You kind of saw that in the Denver series. He kind of just got his stuff just on being active in the glass and just really staying in position and keeping his spacing and staying in the proper spot so we'll see what Ty Lu elects to do here we're seeing basically like you said four in the market couple far away places have gone to three and a half but by and large total 219 and a half, 220 so it's been bet a little bit to the under which was 221 and a half in terms of what the opener was so you know, I think that this is a series where you're probably, if you're going to eventually get involved, maybe you get involved in terms of in-play if a team goes down one nothing and try to do that from a series price perspective because the Clippers are kind of a team I would want to fade off of that great performance in beating Utah in six games and then Phoenix is kind of a team I would want to go against a little bit, to be honest with you, because they've been out for so long. And now when you take your point guard away, look, this could be the fall hero type of deal that we've seen in the playoffs, but it's a little bit different when it's your point guard and when it's your leader. We know Phoenix made a run in the uh, bubble last year and missed the playoffs by just one game, but Chris Paul has absolutely been what has turned this team around. This team didn't make the playoffs last year, and he led them to a two-seed and made the guys around him, especially Devin Booker and DeAndre Aiden, who stepped up in terms of their own games in their own right, but I think Chris Paul has really made them better, so that's why I really couldn't get a handle on this game, and I want to see how this plays out and see if we learn anything here from game one.
3: Back to the golf really quickly. John Rahm makes that eight-foot birdie putt on number one. He's now three under for the championship, and he stripes his drive down number two into the middle of fairway once again. So John Rahm off to a good start early in his round. Bryson DeChambeau just now teeing off with Scotty Scheffler. They are in the fairway there on number one. Jordan Spieth makes a bomb of a putt on the seventh hole. He was one over on his round before that. He is now even par on his round one over for the championship and on the second hole Colin Morikawa has stuffed one in tight trying to get to minus two for the championship is Colin Morikawa in fact it looks like he does convert that very short birdie putt on number two and he is now at two under par for the championship let's go back to the College World Series here Wes we were talking about Virginia and uh, excuse me Virginia and Tennessee the early game in the morning and Tennessee a heavy favorite about minus 160 over the the Cavaliers, and just a great effort there by Tennessee. Virginia had two men on, first and second, with nobody out, and then turned to double play. Uh, Virginia was able to get a runner over to third base, but now they're over to commercial here. I'm guessing that Tennessee was able to get out of the inning and stop that threat and keep Virginia to just a one nothing lead as we head to the bottom of the sixth inning there in Omaha. I also want to get your opinion on the second game of the afternoon, and that'll be Mississippi State taking on the number two seed, the Texas Longhorns. A similar price here in favor of Texas, about a minus 155 favorite over the Mississippi Mississippi State Bulldogs. Did you do anything with this one, Wes?
4: I think I am, and I think I'm going to get involved with Mississippi State. I'm just kind of waiting to see if this price is going to go up a little bit. This is probably the best matchup of the four, at least in the first round, that we're going to see here. If you look at Mississippi State in terms of that pitching staff, they lead the country in strikeouts per nine innings. They have the best closer, I think, of any team left here in the final eight in the College World Series. That's Landon Sims faced 139 batters this season, and he struck out 85 of those batters, so that tells you how good they are in the back end with Mississippi State. Now, uh, you're going to have Will Bednar get the start. He gave up four on runs and went just three innings in that first game in the Supers against Notre Dame, but they're going gonna to go ahead and give him the start. You saw Texas in the Super Regionals where they played South Florida, and they struggled a little bit against the ace of that South Florida staff, and then were able to come back and win it in three games, but You've got uh, uh, the sophomore Ty Madden. He's going to go 241 ERA. He's going to have to, I think, really go deep into the game here, though, because Bulldogs do definitely have the advantage in terms of the bullpen. And once this is getting to about 130, 135, 140, because I think Texas is going to see the money here because people might be looking at Mississippi State and wanting to bet against them because they play in kind of that bandbox down in Starkville, very much a hitter's park. So sometimes that's... can inflate your numbers here a little bit, but we know that this ballpark in recent years has been more of an under park, but both games went over yesterday because the wind was blowing out dead to center, to right center. So we saw these games go over yesterday. By the way, those results, Stanford and Arizona are going to play Monday morning. They're in the losers bracket, so that is an elimination game. The two winners, NC State and Vanderbilt, will go in the evening there in Omaha. So that's kind of how it shapes up here. Winner, Virginia Tennessee is obviously going to play the winner of Mississippi State and Texas, and then the losers will off, face off on Tuesday.
3: Yeah, tough loss for Arizona backers on Saturday as uh, Vanderbilt got past the Wildcats in extra innings. Arizona had the lead for the better part of that game and then ended up on the loser's side. Vanderbilt into the winner's column as the number one seed in the College World Series. Major League Baseball, Washington over the New York Mets, 5-2 to two, bottom of the eighth. Toronto over the Orioles 6-1 to one in the bottom of the eighth. And the Yankees still leading Oakland 2-1 to one in the top of the eighth inning there. And the Cleveland Indians out in front Front of the pittsburgh pirates two to one pirates down to their final half inning trailing two to one in the bottom of the ninth bryson de approaches the green on number one looks like he's got about 30 feet for his birdie we'll come back and update the rest get to some one o'clock baseball starts as well and preview those right here on the green zone presented by BetMGM. 100 dollars if you place a $1 wager on any NBA playoff game and either team hits a three-pointer. Regardless of your bet's outcome, simply use the bonus code vsin 100 When you place your first bet, enjoy the playoffs more than ever with BetMGM. It's a new customer offer paid in free bets. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Twenty-one years of age or older to wager. Colorado, Indiana, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Nevada, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, Washington, D.C., or West Virginia only. If you have a gambling problem, call one 800 52 Two forty-seven hundred in Colorado, Nevada, Virginia, and Washington, D.C. one 800 270 in Michigan. 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, and West Virginia. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 800-889-9789 in Tennessee. And 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana. The promotional offer is not available in Nevada. Welcome back to the Green Zone presented by BetMGM. Brady Cannon and Wes Reynolds with you here on a Father's Day Sunday, the longest day of the year, summer solstice this June 20th. What a good day to have the longest day of the year. The U.S. Open going on. All kinds of baseball. Do want to update a couple of other scores here. Early games going on on the Diamonds. The Boston Red Sox trailing the Kansas City Royals 4-2 in the bottom of the fourth inning. The Chicago White Sox trailing the Houston Astros 7-2 there in the bottom of the fourth. And that total in-game is all the way up to 13 half in the live market. The St. Louis Cardinals doing a doubleheader today with the Atlanta Braves. They will also play on Sunday night baseball this afternoon. Right now, Cardinals taking the opener, six to one, and they're in the bottom of the fifth inning. There in Atlanta, and the Chicago Cubs out in front of Miami early. The Marlins were all over the Cubbies on Saturday, eleven to one. Your final Cubs draw first blood here, one to nothing in the bottom of the fir- Excuse me, bottom of the fourth at Wrigley Field. The Minnesota Twins over the Texas Rangers, four to nothing in the bottom of the third, and the Milwaukee Brewers out in front early at Coors Field, 4-0 leading the Colorado Rockies in the top of the second inning. Your in-game total there all the way to 14. And back to the U.S. Open West, our man John Rom has a birdie attempt here at number two. He rolls that in and just like that Mr. Rom is one shot off the pace at 4-under par for the championship and give me an update on the odds there my friend.
4: Yeah and he is now your tournament favorite here at 7-2 plus 350 for John Rom with the two early Birdies. First time he started the final round of a major with two birdies, so maybe some good times do come for the Spaniard, the number three ranked player in the world. Louis Ustazen now has drifted up to four to one. That final group is not teed off. The second to last group, penultimate group of Henley and McElroy has just teed off on number one. But right now, Ron plus 350, Louis Ustazen four to one, Bryson DeChambeau six to one, Rory McElroy seven to one, Russell Henley eight to one, Matt Hughes at 11 to one, and then you go down to a trio at eight. The one was Xander Shafley, Justin Thomas, and Colin Marikawa. And before we get to some baseball here, let's give an update on the basketball game. Game one of the Western Conference Finals has started. Timeout on the floor currently in Phoenix, and that was taken by the Phoenix Suns because the Clippers out to a 14-10 lead right now. Playoff P, at least through the first six minutes, still remaining playoff P, seven points on three or four shooting to lead the Clippers. DeAndre eight in a couple buckets early with a couple rebounds, so we'll see what the Clippers elected. Do if he gets going here early on. But nevertheless, 635 left to go in the first quarter. That is going to be the Clippers 14 and the Phoenix Suns 10. Current price at BetMGM Phoenix minus 2.5, 219.5 your total. If you want to go money line, Phoenix Suns minus 145. Take back on the Clips plus 120.
3: All right, over to the college world series still one to nothing, Virginia leading the Tennessee Volunteers, but the Volunteers putting up a threat here in the bottom of the 6th inning. They have runners at the corners with just one out, trailing Virginia 1 to nothing. Tennessee went off as the favorite in this game about -160 on the money line. A great pitchers duel so far in this contest to start your Sunday down in Omaha, Nebraska. We'll see if Tennessee can cash in and get a run home or two and tie this game up at 1 piece again bottom of the sixth inning and now two outs still runners at the corners for the volunteers let's get to that baseball west we've got a few games going to first pitch here just after the top of the hour and one of those will be by the bay in san francisco phillies took it to the giants on saturday that game flew over the total i believe the final was like 13 to 8 today it's Eflin versus Long, and San Francisco is a minus-130 favorite with a total of eight.
4: Yeah, first start ever for Long here, the left-hander for San Francisco, and absolutely right. They got batted around the ball yard yesterday at 13-6 to final. Zach Eflin been very solid this season, 399 ERA, 336 on the XFIP, has had a little bit of rotten luck at 343, so maybe that's a reason why you're seeing at least a little bit of money on the Philadelphia Phillies, because Eflin you would think is going to get some positive reaction, and that 343 I I refer to as batting average balls in play, which kind of deals with a little bit of a lock, either for or against a pitcher, and 343 higher than really league average, so you're seeing him take the money, plus you got a first-time starter here uh, with with, uh, Long, so look, kind of fading that a little bit. I can see why the market is doing that with the Philadelphia Phillies, maybe thinking that the Giants are going to come back to earth. Philadelphia, by the way, with that win, got back to 500 at 30 34 and 34 but I'm kind of interested here now that the price is getting low I'm seeing about $1.20 I think it's 125 here at BetMGM and look one thing I kind of like to do is I like to take a left-hander to the first time he faces somebody because I think it maybe takes a little bit of time for hitters to adjust if they've never really seen this guy so Sammy Long down at like minus 120, minus 125, I think would actually be a little bit interesting here for the San Francisco Giants. Now, who knows how long he's going to go, no pun intended, if he's going to be (laughs) an opener here, but... You know, that's kind of an angle I like to play here a little bit. When you get a left left left-hander first time against the lineup, usually the first time through, or maybe even the second time through, he's able to get it going before the hitters kind of adjust here. So I actually do go against the money here, and I like the Phillies in the first, or excuse me, the Giants in the first five.
3: Yeah, I think that angle makes a lot of sense. And by the way, John Rahm took a tough angle to that pin at number three, the par three third hole at Torrey Pines, and went left of the flag and, and down the hill a little bit. Uh, of course, there's a canyon. We've seen Brooks Kepka over there in trouble. We've seen Bryson DeChambeau over there in trouble. Don't, doesn't look like his ball got all the way down the hill, but it looks like he'll definitely be in some of that greenside rough, and he'll have a very difficult up and down to make his par there on the third hole. Let's get to another game that'll tip off in just about 15 minutes from now, and that is the Tigers at the Angels down in Los Angeles, Mize versus Bundy, and the Angels have been rolling. Now, granted, they've been doing it over the Detroit Tigers, but uh, good-sized favorites here today at home to keep the good things going for the Halos at minus 160 and a fairly high total, Wes, of 9.5.
4: It's pretty much stayed where it was in terms of the opener because you look at Dylan Bundy, 6.98 on the ERA. Now much better on the XP. 4.33, though, that's not great, so maybe a little bit of positive regression. Casey Mize, the former first-round pick, I think has kind of settled in a little bit. ERA is about 3.5. Got some really good stuff, but look, when you're pitching for the Tigers, you don't always get really a great deal of run support, and that's kind of what you're seeing on, on this side here with Detroit. Casey Mize is 4-4 four and four on the season. Like I said, 349 on the ERA. Dylan Bundy at 1-7. and seven. ERA is very perilously close to 7. So maybe you get some positive regression here. But, boy, it's tough to lay that with Dylan Bundy, even though I think that's where I would lean here. I think that price is probably a little high, and I'm going to stay away from this one.
3: Showing John Rahm now just off the other side of the green there. It doesn't look too bad. He's in a relatively flat spot, so not on the side of the hill, green side there on number three, setting up for his second shot. Again, he'll have to get up and down. This is where strokes gained around the green is going to come into play if he's going to win this contest. By the way, a huge job there by Virginia. Rahm is up and out of the junk, and looks like he'll have about 10 feet, maybe 9 feet to save his par on the third hole there at Torrey Park but uh, a great inning there for the Virginia Cavaliers. I mentioned Tennessee had runners at the corners with one out, then it was two outs, and then an incredible at-bat that seemed to last about 12 to 15 pitches, and finally Virginia gets the strikeout to get out of the inning. No damage done, and they hold on to a one nothing lead, uh, headed to the top of the seventh inning, I believe, now in this early game uh, of the College World Series Sunday edition down in Omaha, Nebraska. What an at bat there, and uh, victorious for the Virginia Cavaliers. Let's get to another 110 Pacific, 4:10 Eastern start, and that's the Rays at the Mariners. McClanahan versus Gonzalez, and the Tampa Bay Rays have run on tough times here a little bit, and their lead is being threatened in the American League East. They're big favorites, however, on the road today at Seattle. West minus 165 on the money line here at BetMGM with eight for your total.
4: Yeah, I agree with the move here. I'm priced a little bit out of it now that this was in the mid-130s and now you're laying about mid-150s or 160 here, but Tampa Bay's got to get something here in Seattle. They're on the verge of getting swept. They did get walked off in extra innings with that base runner on second driven in, so Tampa Bay gets another loss last night. I believe J.P. Crawford had a grand slam to kind of bust that open. Tampa Bay came back to tie and then loses in extra innings. Look, McClanahan is a really good young pitcher, and he's got a lot of potential. He's only three 322 on the xfip 343 in terms of batting average balls in play so he's been a little bit unlucky this year so that's why i think that you're seeing him get backed into the market marco gonzalez has had some injuries this year kind of been in and out of the uh, out of the rotation so right move here but wrong number for me to lay here at 160 or 165
3: And it looks like the final pairing of Louis Eustazen and Mackenzie Hughes has reached the first tee box. Mike Davis, the reigning CEO of the USGA, retiring after 31 years working for the USGA, and he gets the honors to announce the final pairing. Louis Eustazen steps to the tee box to hit the first shot here. We'll talk a little more baseball on the other side. I'm looking forward to that Padres Reds game, Wes. Uh, Luis Castillo for your red legs going against Denelson Lamette. We'll take a look at that one and Louie stripes one down the middle safely in the fairway on number one. We'll continue to update you on the U.S. Open. Mackenzie Hughes will now be the final player to tee off and your final round on Championship Sunday is off and running in full as the whole field is now on the golf course. We'll uh, come back here for our number two. It is the Green Zone presented by BetMGM. Brady Cannon and Wes Reynolds with you on VEASAN, the Sports Betting Network.